Welcome everybody to episode 54 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled. Like we mentioned last week, episode 54 for Fred Crawford. And you know what? We got two games to preview this week. Yeah, and we are going to have Sam Fetterman on, who uh, gives us a really, really good in-depth look at the two MAC teams that we have coming up this week. But if we get into Buffalo, SUNY Amherst, um, you know, like any normal year, if you say we're missing our best player, we go on the road, we play SUNY Amherst, and we win by 15, you're signing up for that. Um, And it wasn't anything lost. It was a little bit gained, I thought, metrics-wise, but... I thought like in the second half, we really left a little bit to be desired. Um, and, you know, it was uh, we can get into the first half quick and then get into the second half. You know, like yeah. the first half, I, I thought we looked pretty good swarming defense. We did a really good job, like keeping them in front of us, not letting them get any good looks. It's, it's a really really bad team some of their shots were like hitting the top of the backboard um some air balls just throwing up bricks and you could just hear the thud when it hit the iron like they were all out of sorts um i thought we looked good offensively and defensively in the first half i really really loved it was one of my favorite venning games just because he was like we already know what he can do well offensively just the touch around the rim the footwork but i thought he really did a great job passing out of the post because UB was bringing the double teams. They were bringing even even three guys dropping down on him, and he was doing um, a much, much better job having court awareness and kicking it out quickly to our guys, to our guards, to get some some good looks. So uh, his um, also just the connection with Micah Adams-Woods, that was the first time we really saw that two-man game with our point guard and center this year look so fluid. I thought that was – a really, really good bright spot. And going into the game, I, I would have said our pick to click would have been Micah Adams Woods. Um, so those were some really, really good things. I thought Evans also played really well again. Um, but yeah, I, I thought what we what we did in the first half was exactly what we needed to do. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit like the Miami Ohio game, although it wasn't quite mm-hmm. as dominant. It still seemed like it was a very, 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 very great performance in the first half, although not quite as good as Miami, Ohio. And then the second half, the defense kind of slacked off at some points, but you know what? They still got the 15 point win. You said it best, you know, Chad Venning, Mike Adams Woods were the two dominant factors in this game. Mike Adams Woods, three point three, three pointers for 20 in the whole game and eight assists, Chad Venning, 23 points and probably could have had more if they just kept giving him the ball every single possession because he could not be stopped. I also thought this was a great, time for Barry Evans to step up because as I'm sure you all know, Charles pride was out from the game with an ankle injury seen in a boot, I guess a a scooter, but I don't know if it's as serious as it may have first seemed hopefully, but Barry Evans got his first start of the season and stepped up. It was his first start since I believe the Fordham home game back in January. So he was able to step up. He had seven points and, uh, six, re- eight rebounds. So he had a really great performance off the bench. And we've been talking about, you know, how we're, we've already seen Barry taking some steps already. And that, that definitely continued on, on Saturday. So what were you most impressed with with Barry? Uh, you know, he, he hit a jumper and I think his, um, his form looks more, 
more smooth this year. He's not going to be a guy that we rely on this year to hit a bunch of jumpers in a game, but he's just like that jack of all trades. He brings that defensive intensity, just long and athletic. Um, he's been playing well on both ends, and I thought it was a well-deserved start um, for him. And, you know, speaking of that position, both on our team and the opposing team, still waiting for Asa Essenboots to get going. Um, some of his shots weren't, weren't close again. Um, and, you know, I thought this could be a look at an issue that we might have throughout the season because I thought Buffalo, um, Cy Chapman, who is a transfer, two-time transfer, he's a big, athletic, pretty skilled foreman at that position with Evans and, and Essenboots. He was really good, and I, I think that could be a problem going forward if we face a big, athletic, strong power forward. That that looks like it could be an issue, especially with our front court rebounding. We Our front court is not very good at rebounding. Our leading rebounder is a guard. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Like They may have exploited one of our biggest weaknesses defensively if uh, an A-10 team has one of those big, stronger four men. That could be a problem going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what worries me a bit when we get to, you know, Florida Atlantic next week with some of their bigger guys, especially Golden, the uh, the the Russian seven footer that they have, too, but yeah. more of a challenge for Benning and Brown. But, yeah, it's, you know, it was definitely a matchup that yeah, Barry was able to step up in because, you know, of, of, of Pride's injury. And I think it was also important because Asa Esamvu, once again, did not have a great performance. He didn't score at all. And that's been something that we've been concerned about in the last few games. So hopefully these next two Mac opponents are two games that he can, he can get back into that groove finally, because he has had some good performances against Oklahoma state and Longwood Longwood actually turns out to be probably our best win of the year, even better than the, the Oklahoma state yeah. game actually, because the new net yeah. rankings came out on Monday and the bodies were about 120. I forgot the exact number off the top of my head, but um, they're in the 120s. And Longwood mm-hmm. is almost at 100, which don't buy too much into the net rankings. We already have gone at length about how much we've hated the net over the last few years on this podcast. But yeah. even so, even if you like the net, it's always very, very, very weird in the beginning of the season when they first put it out in December. So mm-hmm. don't get too excited about it or disappointed by it, especially when you see Kanishas as a Q3 loss. I don't think that's going to be the case, but just, you know, I mean, I I guess that's what I want to talk about too with the net. What do you think about just, you know, getting that first look at the Q3, Q4? I know it's, it's hard to, you know, see what's going to be happening soon. It'll change a lot, but what what did you make of the new numbers coming out? Uh, I guess about what I expected. Like we have another Q1 opportunity in the non-conference Florida Atlantic. They're 11th overall. A lot of Q4 games. Um, I think Canisius will probably end up, they're only three spots away from Q4 now. So when you go into that max schedule, they're going to lose a few games in the MAC, and that'll probably drop them um, into that Q4 range. But looking at the A10, I mean, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the top 100. The way it looks right now, and these will change, but um, four of those top five teams right now, we play on the road. So it looks like at Dayton, at George Mason right now are are Q1s. We have a couple Q2s at Richmond and George Washington, Um, even Duquesne on the road. Right now, UMass, I think they'll they'll probably fall maybe into a (laughs) Q3. But uh, yeah, there, there are the A10 is 
looking in a much better position than last year. I know like our Q1 games, it's pretty similar. I think we're like one in 14 or something versus one in 15 last year, but there are opportunities there. Um, and I, I think we'll hopefully rise uh, up to into the top 100 relatively soon, but we have to take advantage of um, some of these really, really bad teams that we have like, at Niagara, that's a road game. So if we can win that by 15 to 20, I think we'll be in good shape. But the the Siena game is what worries me. And we talk about this a little bit um, yeah. with Sam, but like they're dead last. And then that dead last 362 out of 362. So we have them at home. It's and I hate it. It's I hate what college sports is becoming, but we don't have to like it to um, make it true and make it and for it to be important like this stuff still matters even though we don't like it um so sienna the dead, dead last team coming into the riley center unfortunately you got to win that by 25 30 plus points yeah. if you don't want to fall and that it sucks because the rpi used to be who'd you play did you win where was the game at and that was it but you know these days you kind of have to um really stay focused for a full 40. And I thought we didn't do that against SUNY Amherst. Like we had sloppy turnovers in the second half. We lost focus and intensity, I thought. Um, but I did like to see the post game because Schmidt said, when you have an opponent down verbatim, you have to step on their throats and you cannot let them get back up once you have them down. And Venning kind of reiterated that you have to step on their throats when they're down. You cannot let them, you know, a, a win that should have been 25 to 30 and really jumped us up ends up being 15 points. You can't have that happen. You have to keep that intensity throughout the game. So the two things that they talked about in that quick little eight minute post game were the two things that I really, really wanted to hear keeping up the intensity and and when you have a team on the ropes really really making sure you keep focus and just pound them as much as possible and the second thing taking care of the ball yeah definitely i don't think we've had really a full 40 minute defensive performance yet and i think the defense has lacked against miami ohio and against suny amherst so they'll have to step that up to make sure Sienna doesn't make it a 15-point loss for them. So that'll help us out with the metrics, of course. But we want to get into more with Niagara and Sienna this week. Two more MAC games, some more MACTION. So let's welcome our next friend. We would like to welcome our newest friend here on SB Unfurled and Friends, Sam Fetterman. He is a Mac writer for Mid-Major Madness. Sam put out a huge preseason preview that I was very impressed with about the entire Mac conference. And now he's covering them throughout the season in this first month. So, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I, I always love coming on and talking college basketball with anybody, really. I mean... And you guys so dedicated to a mid-major program. It's it's really great to to have such great content about a mid-major program like you guys do at St. Bonaventure. Yeah, we're happy to provide it for you. So I guess first off, I know we've been looking at the Mac because of Canisius's 
their upset of us earlier this season. The net rankings came out on Monday, and Canisius is technically a quad three loss for us, but I don't think anybody's really holding their breath and expecting that to hold. So I guess just generally speaking, what have you seen from the MAC so far? It's a chaotic year. We thought last year was chaotic. We thought the year before was chaotic. This is significantly more chaotic because the power vacuum that is gone with Rick Pitino and Iona no longer um, controlling the entire league. It's it's insane because you look at this conference. It's 26th in Ken Palm right now, and it's probably going to stick there for the for the season because it's about two efficiency margin points ahead of 27 and behind 25. But the gap between like the top team and the bottom team in this league, I think anyone can beat anyone on any given night. The winner of the league is probably going to win 13 games or something in in of the 20. Last place is probably going to have six or seven. I mean, I love this conference because you never know what's going to happen on a given Friday or Sunday. So we have two straight games against the MAC. We played Canisius already, as everyone knows. That was a loss, as uh, Little Bon X just said. Hoping not only to to get two straight wins here, but to do it very, very convincingly. Um, as Little Bon X also said, net came out. Siena dead last out of 362 teams. Um, but we got Niagara first, and that's a road game. So, um, honestly, I haven't had much time to do research yet on Niagara. I'll probably do that today and tomorrow. So that's why I'm very, very happy around to talk about these two teams. So, what should Bonas be looking for if it is does happen to be a close game or, God forbid, an upset? How would that happen? Like, what does Niagara have? Do they have the firepower? Are they defensive-minded? Do they have any good individual players or shooters? Um, what should Bonna fans in general just be looking for when we go up there to uh, Gallagher? So Niagara brought in a ton of transfers this this um, offseason, and a lot of them are grad transfers. Um, Yao Bang Mensa from UMBC, Luke Bumbelo from Ball State, Quan uh, uh, Marble from... Loyola Marymount, they're all grads. And then, however, the the top scoring option for this team is actually the only freshman on the roster. It's Ahmad Henderson, um, Chicago kid, Brother Rice. And he's super talented, super shifty, really good shooter. But he kind of shot that he kind of went cold at the end of the game against Quinnipiac on Sunday. And they they had chances to win that game. Um, and they didn't they didn't win. Um, they lost in overtime. It was a wild game. They w- lost both games this weekend, and both of them were pretty wild. Uh, close games against St. Peter's and Quinnipiac at home. Niagara has been in some really close games. They've wilted late. Um, they wilted late against Notre Dame. They wilted late against Bucknell. Um, they kind of came out in overtime and and laid an egg in overtime against Quinnipiac after staging a really nice second half comeback there. And in the St. Peter's game, they kind of just laid an egg until like the last five or seven minutes. And they came back and made it a game, had a chance to tie it at the end of regulation. And Henderson just hasn't been able to get those shots to go late in games. But I mean, I think any Niagara upset is going to start with Henderson starting to make those shots towards the end of games. So just looking through Niagara's stats, they're very good at shooting threes, and we've had trouble with that in the past against Canisius and Auburn so far this year. But uh, we were able to slow down Miami, Ohio's three-point shooting. Uh, right now, Niagara's 64th in the country in three-pointers. So 
what do you think their offensive firepower is going to be beyond Henderson? Do you think they have any other options to either stretch out our big men or hit some other threes from their guards? I mean, I like Luke Bumbleo. He's a really great shooter. He shot, um, he's, he's only 34% from, for his career, but I feel like that's a little misleading. He's taken some tough shots at his time at Ball State and he hit three threes down the stretch against Quinnipiac. He also had seven assists and that was a concern for Niagara in the game against St. Peter's. They only had um, three assists as a team against St. Peter's and then they had a let, um, they had 16 against Quinnipiac. So a lot can change in two days in the Mac. And then there's, um, as I mentioned, Yao Bang Mensa, who's a lot more versatile than I expected him to be. He's not much of a shooter, but he's really athletic. He can, he can score in transition in the paint. Niagara doesn't really like to run a ton in transition, but he can help push the pace. Um, gets to the line a good amount, hits his free throws. Um, good rebounder was really physical at UMBC and he's, he's a physical athlete. Um, there's also Braxton Bayless, um, experienced guard um, ran the offense at Indian Hills uh, top Juco for a few years, came over to Niagara last year, kind of played off the ball with Noah Thomas and on the ball. He's a little bit more on the ball this year, but I mean, Henderson is the top ball handler. He only played 18 minutes against Quinnipiac and it was his worst game of the season. But Bayless is a guy that brings a lot on the defensive end as well. He was seventh in the conference in steals last year and, He's overall just been a guy that is a great glue guy defensively, a, not much of a shooter, but solid at getting to the basket, was really good at getting to the basket when he was at Indian Hills. Um, Bayless is an interesting piece there. There's a lot of different options that Niagara can throw at you. Just none of them totally wow you, I would say. I mean, Harlan Obioha is seven foot one, 285 pounds. I have a friend that goes to Niagara. He said that, he said that Harlan sat in front of him um, at a class, and he's like, I don't even try to take notes anymore. The guy's gigantic. Um, and he just he's coming off the best game of his career, 16-9 and nine against Quinnipiac. And he has, he's only fouled out of one game this year, which was something that I was thinking about a lot. And he, he played 31 minutes with only three fouls against Quinnipiac. Um, he's very much a back-to-basket, doesn't really – look to pass once he gets the ball, kind of just going straight to the basket once he gets it type guy. But that size in the Mac, at least, is really overwhelming for some guys. When he stays on the court, he's pretty good. And then um, we've seen plenty of other guys have their day for Niagara. And that's the thing. There's a bunch of different options there. Randy Tucker is still trying to kind of get back in the groove. He was injured at the beginning of the season. He played 27 minutes against Quinnipiac. He played nine minutes in the previous two games combined. So I'm expecting to see more of him as they're building him back up. He's a transfer from Green Bay that, I mean, has some interesting traits to his offensive game. And overall, Niagara, not a ton of just firepower. But on a given day, if things go right, they can really hit their shots and Henderson can probe the defense really well. He's really good at he's really good at using his body to get to the basket, even though he's really small. He he can get to the basket and put up some floaters. He can hit from deep. When Henderson's on, when the rest of the team is on, the offense can be a little can be somewhat dangerous. 
That's what worries me because when Mac teams can shoot well, they always do shoot well against us. It seems like, um, and I always I'm looking at their schedule. I always forget the Mac gets right into conference play. I mean, December first, they're rolling. They already got two conference games under their belt. Looking at their schedule after Bonas, it's actually Buff State at D three. So hopefully we can be like a trap game going into that Buff State uh, game. But like, have you watched any Bona games this year? If if so, is there anyone specific that you think we could really use like to our advantage as a mismatch? Uh, and if not, like what is Niagara struggled to defend? Like, is it the bigs? Is it the, is it the guards? Is there something that they're pretty weak at that you see that Bonas can really exploit uh, on Wednesday? I mean, something that, I mean, I've watched a little bit of St. Bonaventure and I don't think that, I don't think there's anyone in the Mac, like a, like a Chad Venning. Um, there's nobody mm-hmm that moves as well and is as physically dominant in the post as him. That should be a really interesting matchup with Obi Oha in, in the low post. If Venning can get him in foul trouble, then you're looking at a matchup with a, with a much smaller, a six, six, eight, two thirty, um, Emmy Rudy Asire or, um, Yao, a bang Mensa who's like six, eight two twenty. So if, and it's totally possible because we know how good Venning's Venning moves in small spaces in the low post. He's really good at that. And I think, I mean, Niagara this year, 316th in two-point defense. Um, they've been pretty mm-hmm. solid at, with three-point defense, but two-point defense has been a concern. They don't really, Obioha is not much of a rim protector, even though he's really big. He's kind of more of a just stopper rather than a rim protector because he's just really big. Um, I think that St. Bonaventure, I mean, we know how talented that team is. I mean, compared to the Mac, it's overwhelming talent. But they've had they've managed to run into some traps recently. I don't think Niagara shoots as well as Canisius does, and I don't think that they. I don't think that Obioha is quite as refined as as even Frank Mitchell, and he's not super refined. But Obioha is not quite as refined as Mitchell is, and he's still very raw. And Venning can probably get him in foul trouble at some point. Of course, on Saturday, the Maction continues with Sienna. This one's going to be at Bonaventure. And we're used to seeing Sienna be the top of the Mac, if not fighting for you know an NCAA tournament bid. They're literally the worst team in the net rankings right now on Monday. And when you look at their Kempom, it's not much better. They're fifth worst in offensive efficiency, the worst at turning the ball over on offense. They're terrible at defending the three and shooting the three. You know, when you look at the Siena team, they've had a couple close games. But other than that, like, it's been a pretty bad year for them. What do you think about Siena so far this year? I've been, like, I was low on Siena coming in, but they have um, subverted every expectation (laughs) that anyone possibly could have had for them. And a lot of that comes down to Michael Ely getting hurt um, right at, in in a practice after the first game of the season against Holy Cross. And, they go to Richmond without him and they lose by 32, sorry, by, by uh, 42 um, in mm-hmm. that game. And it kind of sets them off on a bad foot because Ely was the bet on upside for the Siena team. He was the Mac rookie of the year last year, explosive athlete when he's, he play, can play above the rim at 6'4". He's got super deep range. His rebounding has looked really good this year and he's been a little bit better as a passer as well. He's, He's only played three games. He only and he only played two minutes in the Ryder game on Friday 
He missed the Mount St. Mary's game. He's still dealing with that ankle injury. We're not sure if he's going to be playing this week. There's some quotes out from Carm Mazzarella, the head coach, that like it's up to Ely whether he feels ready to go. I wouldn't put it past him to be able to play this weekend, but I'm I'm not totally sure. And when you lose a guy like that, it's already one of the youngest teams in the country, 361st in D1 experience, um, according to Ken Palm. The point guard, Zach Tech, has taken um, plenty of steps this year. He's actually looked pretty good, but he's also had a lot of turnover issues in his career and even so far this year. Siena is dead last in college basketball in turnover rate. They're turning it over 26% of the time. And that's kind of because Tekken is the only true ball handler that's there right now. And even then, he's definitely a guy that can turn it over. He's He's been very good, though. He was the star, um, 23 points, four assists, five boards, four steals in their win against Ryder. He hit the game. He hit the um, circus shot that turned out to be um, essentially the dagger with about a minute left in that game. Um, coming around a hedge into the paint and kind of just flicking it up. It was really impressive. But outside of him, freshman Michael Eve Bagaro has been, um, he's a 6'4 guy, um, played a lot of high post offense in high school. Can, they can use him in a bunch of different ways. Good rebounder for his size. Um, not a great shooter, but like, interesting piece for the future. Braylon Smith is supposed was one of the best shooters um, coming into the league that I, I thought he was going to be a stud shooter. He's from Texas originally, um, but he's really struggled to shoot the ball only 21% from three. And he's been getting to his spots, but not quite quick enough. I don't think offensively when he's driving to the basket and trying to pull up in the mid range, it's just not been super smooth sailing for him. I thought Giovanni Medru, the transfer center from Sam Houston State, has been passable uh, for them. I, he hasn't been bad by any means, but I mean, they're they're going to end up needing more from these guys. And Killian Gribben was a stud at the um, at one of the European competitions for Ireland this summer, but he's not much of a shooter at all as, as a four man at six ten, and he's a little slow footed. He can get caught. And there's been some miscommunications on ball, on off-ball screens and handoffs so far this year that I've noticed for Siena. And it's kind of led to some free runs at the basket. And quick guards have also really been able to get to the basket. Um, Amari Marshall for Albany had 33 points. Um, the Hofstra transfer, he was excellent in that game, 10 for 15 inside the arc. And, I mean, he's 6'4", 207, and really quick. He's... He's a stud to watch in the America East, without a doubt. And he totally tore the Siena defense to shreds. Um, Siena will also throw Michael Ojo out there. He's a athletic wing defender. Max Frazier is a really raw, a young, young freshman big man. Um, Brennan Coyle, I mean, I don't really... I don't really think he brings a ton to the table. Mason Courtney is a walk-on who's had to play big minutes because they left a scholarship open, and now and then they were dealing with injuries. Tekken missed a couple. Tekken missed two games. Ely's missed a bunch of games. So they really had issues when those two were out, and Courtney had to come in and play some minutes. And I mean, it's kind of what you expect from a walk-on. The offensive rating is seventy-two point five. Um, just Siena as a whole, they're long, but not not particularly athletic with their length and they are 
not very good shooting the ball. They were they had a bunch of shooters last year. They really don't have them this year. As long as Braylon Smith is struggling, that's kind of a big issue for them. I mean, they they have a lot of problems, but Carm's a great coach, and I think at the end of the day, Carm has a vision. I don't know exactly what that vision is. It, even if they have a really bad year this year, I think Carm has. I mean, Carm deserves another chance after this year, no matter what, um, in, unless they lose like every single game. But Carm's an interesting one because they struggled at the end of last year, but he seems to always come to play when he, when his teams are healthy, they always come to play, but they're not healthy right now with Ely in the situation. And they're just not a deep team at all. Really. It, it's, it's concerning where they are right now. We'll check back in like, in terms of like a vibe check on this whole program, we'll check back in later. But St. Bonaventure should not have a problem with Siena. I know that that's like you've lost however many straight games to MAC teams, but like this, <laughs> this is probably the one that ends that. If Niagara, if Niagara doesn't end that, before. hopefully Niagara ends. We're never taking the MAC team for granted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you kind of alluded to my next question a little bit. Like I don't, I know Siena, the fan base in general, they do have like some passionate fans. I don't know how realistic some of their opinions are all the time, but do you have like an idea of the pulse of just the fan base? Like, is it a total meltdown? Are they, are they so down on Carm, the head coach that they, they are starting to say he's on the hot seat by any means? Like what's just the general, are they chalking it up to, Oh, this is just a, you know, a down year and we'll be back. Or is it, is it um, kind of panic mode in Albany? They were calling for his job after they lost to Niagara in the conference tournament last year because they, oh, fin- okay. they finished last. They were 11 and four um, in the Mac last year. Um, and then they lost their last five games. And then they mm-hmm. lost in the first in the quarterfinals of the Mac tournament. So they lost six in a row um, to end last season. And there were fans calling for his head um, then. And then this offseason was really confusing they didn't really go after um many transfers i mean mm-hmm. they brought in sean dura gordon from austin p but need he needs a waiver um and he he had his waiver denied he was a really good player at austin p but even with him it would have been an interesting fit overall and they brought in obviously a medjuru but they decided to go with a lot of freshmen and they left scholarships open and it's kind of really come back to bite them and the fan base is really not pleased right now. That is a big fan base. They are top 100 in attendance nationally every single year. Um, and it is, they are mad right now. Hmm. Yeah, they would be. I mean, they're, they're very passionate in Albany about their ball. That's for sure. So I mean, that, that's if there is team. one chance, yeah, it is. And they play in a big arena where they, they host some uh, NCAA tournaments. Even last year, they had the first couple rounds of the tournament there. If there's one chance that Siena does have of exploiting Bonaventure, where would it be? Because my first thought is their size. While they are um, on the lower end of the experience, they do have a lot of size with a few guys over 6'9", at least. So what do you think is the one chance that Siena would have in this game? If Michael Ely is healthy, that's a guy that can drop 25, 30 on anyone, anywhere, really. I mean, he hasn't really had... I mean, his career high right now is 24, but like he can drop 25 or 30 on anyone, I think, on a given day. 
and that's kind of Sienna's best shot. If they don't have him, then it's going to be a real struggle unless Braylon Smith solves his shooting slump and Killian Gribben solves his shooting slump. And they, they really would need some guys to really shoot. Again, with the length of this team, Ojo's athletic, but Gribben is a little slow-footed. Medru is, I mean, he's 6'11", 270. He's big, but like not the greatest athlete in the world. Ibagaro is a fascinating athlete, kind of has like a little football player in him, honestly. But um, the length is definitely interesting, but it's not, it, does, it hasn't really made a major impact so far. I mean, they, 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 they do block shots. They're, they're good at that as a team. But, I mean, they, they blocked like eight shots against Richmond and they lost by 40. Yeah, I mean, in, you know, even just seeing him out there if he does get back Ely like that can be just a shot in the arm for everyone you know like even if he is still a little hobbled like just his presence can really lift an entire roster we've had that happen with guys who've been injured they come back the whole team looks looks better it can be a just a new look that kind of reinvigorates people I did forget to ask you though what's up with Niagara and like the (laughs) like the scheduling mishap and then the (laughs) the uh the player who they thought was going to get a waiver and didn't like, what do you, I kind of know a little bit about this stuff, but like what's going on there? Like in the front office, of I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've talked to some of the coaches there. Like they, like they're just kind of like they're it, it's, they don't, it's not the, t- it might not be the tightest ship up there. Like the coach, I like the coaching staff, <laughs> great coaching mm-hmm. staff, but they, the athletics department might not quite be as tight of a ship as you'd like it to be. Um, they were scheduled to play in the Lake Erie Classic with, um, who was it? Um, Youngstown State and Utah yeah. Tech. And right. It turns out they were in that same event two years ago or last year or something like that. And they can't be in, you can't be in the same MTE in two times in a four year cycle. I know in the tweet, I said three years, it's, it's four years. And then with David Mitchell, that situation was also strange because I was told early in the off season by players on the team and the coaching staff that they, that he had another year, they petitioned for another year and he was going to play. And they operated all off season, assuming that David Mitchell, who is, um, an all defensive type player in this conference um, would be on their roster. They brought him to Mac Media Day, and then they <laughs> found out that no, he he did not have another year. And it was pretty cut and dry why he did not have another year. He he played his four seasons, and because the Ivy League didn't have a twenty 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 one season, he's a transfer from Brown. He didn't he does not mm-hmm. get the COVID year. Yeah. So, right. Um, Quite the oversight. I, yeah, oversight. He is Mitchell is now actually a grad assistant on like he's on the coaching staff, and he's a guy that can absolutely help out in that spot. He's a very very smart player. Mm-hmm. Um, was one of their was a very I mentioned all Mac defensive type guy, really physical, kind of knows the brand of basketball that they want to play. I mean, has an, he, he has an Ivy 
league degree. I mean, this is a guy that he's, he's very smart. He's helping out that staff. And they decided instead of going to the Lake Erie Classic, they would schedule on six days notice a trip to Hawaii. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out quite well. Um, everything aside from the score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And But hey, the Rainbow Warriors pay for a trip to Hawaii. You get to play in that building. You get to... And it, it was a tough game for them. They, they kind of got blown out. It was never it was never really all that close. But it's an experience going out there and playing. Well, Hawaii seems somewhat decent this year. And I think it was all this yeah. uh, Niagara incompetence is all just an elaborate scheme for them to get a free trip to Hawaii in November. <laughs> because I think this is all just a scam that they're pulling, probably. <laughs> yeah, and I was actually told they were not looking to replace the games from the MTE. Um but then, out of the blue, I just see this rumor: "Hey, Niagara and Hawaii might play a game." I'm like, "Okay, that's <laughs> that's couldn't find two more diametrically opposite places on this planet." But okay. <laughs> and hey, I stayed up to watch at least the first 28 minutes of that game, and then I went to sleep. Yeah, that's about enough. That's about enough of that. <laughs> I guess one final thing, Sam, when it comes to, you know, we look at Canisius, Niagara, and Siena always. Um, where do you think those three teams are going to end up in the MAC when, when it's all said and done? I think Canisius is pretty good. They are um, right now. I mean, they, they did lose to St. Peter's yesterday. St. Peter's kind of dictated the tempo of that game. And that's something that I think St. Peter's has done really well in their two MAC games this year. But Canisius dropped ninety on um, on Quinnipiac, and that was eye opening. They are two hundred first in Ken Palm, which for this MAC is pretty solid. They beat Western Kentucky. They beat Wofford. And they obviously beat St. Bonaventure. They, Don't remind us. They played a solid, <laughs> they played a solid game here at the dome. Obviously, that was with Taj Stavesky, who's out for um, he's been out for the last couple games. He only he's mm-hmm. actually he's been out since the St. Bonaventure game, um, and but Trey Dinkins has kind of taken ball handling responsibilities. He's been really good there. Sam Eitendahl has broken out into their top scorer. Frank Mitchell's a stud. Canisius is. Definitely, I would say, if you had to put a gun to my head right now and ask me, does Canisius get a buy in the MAC tournament? I say absolutely. Um, but again, anything can change in this conference, and we really have no idea like what's what this league is going to look like come March. Niagara is a more middle of the pack type. Kind of depends on how Henderson ends up maturing and if they keep making their shots. Um, also, how Obioha grows because I mean that. You, you do develop a ton throughout your sophomore year, especially at that size where you didn't really get a significant share of the minutes as a freshman and you'll, you're in a much bigger role. I think OBO has a big key to Niagara's success. They're probably more middle of the pack though. And then Siena at the moment, I would be hard pressed to, to think of them as anything better than the worst team in the conference, even though they picked up that win against Ryder. Ryder, might, Ryder who was picked first in the preseason, has looked really bad this year. They, they, they have just ridiculous shooting slump, which, I mean, we saw last year with Fairfield that those shooting slumps can turn into um, just a bad shooting team over the course of a year. I'm hoping that that's not the case with Ryder. But, I mean, Siena right now 
it's it's brutal. They could end up being one of the worst teams in Division One, but if they get healthy with Ely back and they start to really get moving, then maybe they could finish closer to that nine eight range in the conference. And I mean, I'm not counting out Carm. I mean, I've seen the way that he can develop players in the past, and JV McCollum ended up going to um, Oklahoma, and he's a stud there. Jared Phillips is at George Mason. Had some had some up transfers. Also, have had some guys come into Siena and be pretty solid in the past. Uh, Stormo was a was a transfer. He was mm-hmm. Colby Rogers was a transfer. He was really solid. And now he's at Wichita State, um, but. Really interesting off-season strategy over the last couple of years for um, Carmen the Saints, and I'm not sure I totally understand it, but I I'm not gonna write Carm off from. I mean, I'm gonna write them off from being a buy team, but I'm not gonna write them off from being a little more respectable than they have been so far. Yeah, they have a good program there, so hopefully they lose on Saturday, but then turn it around during their MAC play. So once again, Sam Fetterman from Mid-Major Madness, our good friends over there. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Fetterman. And of course, Mid-Major Madness also is on Twitter. So Sam, thank you again for giving us some really great Mac perspective. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Sam. And thank you all again for joining us here on SB Unfurled. And friends, be sure to follow both of us on Twitter as well, at X at SB Unfurled. If you haven't already, you probably do. Why am I name dropping it? Oh, well, I have to do it. (laughs) Also, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms. We'll be back next week for a huge matchup with Florida Atlantic in the birthplace of basketball, Springfield, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us. I'm